This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Jake Jackman. It's game week 22, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable Guys, I'm so excited. Bank It or Burn It is finally back. Competition for this season. Uh, it's been on hiatus uh, throughout this season, but we're bringing it at the second half of the season. See how our respective guests and, and panelists do on Bank It or Burn It. We're probably going to run for quite a while um, throughout the season. See who can get the top score in that one. But I'm joined by the OG King. The I think the first you were either the first or the second person to ever play Bank It or Burn It during its inception. Uh, Jake Jackman, welcome back to the show, and and how are you feeling about this season's uh, competition? Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Uh, it's been it's been a while, but yeah, looking forward to to getting back into it. I, I feel like I I've looked at the questions, uh, not to spoil things, but I've, I'm feeling confident. Interesting stuff. Yeah, you, you, it's become so competitive that people have to prepare now. At the beginning, it was sort of off the cuff um, how you feel about it. But now people are quite insistent on making sure it's in the run sheet and, and they've got their prep work done. And of course, you guys are going to be playing for that beautiful, beautiful trophy. I'm, I'm sure the the Twitter account will tweet out the trophy that you guys are playing for this year. Um, and, and we'll see how you get on. We'll see how some of the new panelists that we've gotten on, how they get on with their first go rounds of Banker or Burnett. But for, for those of you that are joining us this year or haven't heard of Banker or Burnett yet, it's, it's, it's a game where I'm going to ask Jake five questions. Um, 
with regards to the first five fixtures that we discussed today. And in those questions, it's scenarios of situations that will happen potentially during a game. If he, if he thinks it's going to happen, he's going to shout bank it. If he thinks it's not going to happen, he's going to shout burn it. He's going to have 15 seconds on the clock to go through each round. So each fixture, uh, getting through the five questions. And then at the end of the season, whoever gets the highest score or closer score to 25, as 25 will be the maximum, we still yet to hit that holy grail of 25 out of 25. But the person closest to, to 25 will win the prize. And if we need to go to a tie break at the end of the season, we're well equipped for that. Uh, seeing as in season one, we had to go to a, a 50 question bank it or burn it due to a tie break. But Jake, I mean, you're hoping for good results for Bank It or Burn It. I'm sure Newcastle are hoping for good results. Um, we were speaking beforehand how Carabao Cup, uh, game this week. And then obviously they're doing well in the league, but I'm looking at my run sheet here. They're a lot of, little bit further down on the run sheet. Um, so we'll get to them as obviously you are resident Newcastle panelists, but let's start with, uh, maybe another team that's also, um, looking to sort of inject some new players into their team and 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 try and push on this season i'm talking of course of chelsea um not not being anywhere near as good as newcastle um probably you know on paper people might have switched their positions around but i think newcastle have started like a house on fire and have continued that form this season and they play um and and whereas Chelsea play Fulham, one of the other teams that have started the season pretty hot. Uh, how do you see Chelsea handling Fulham? And I know they played them recently, but the sort of the flip of that fixture. Yeah, this is going to be a an interesting game to watch. Obviously, Fulham go into the game um, being higher in the league table than uh, than Chelsea, so does add an extra extra dimension. Um, Chelsea, obviously, they've. They spent a lot of money this month, so that might, uh, we don't know how that's going to turn out for them. Hopefully, um, they'll be hoping that it's the start of them climbing the league table and perhaps being contenders for the, for the Champions League again. Um, it looks difficult, um, considering how many points they are off. I think they're 10 points off, uh, don't really have a game in hand over anybody. So, um, yeah, they're going to need, it, it's not just, it's not just the points gap for Chelsea, it's the number of teams. They, you know, they're 10 points off Newcastle and Manchester United. And yeah, maybe they can make up those 10 points on them. But then if, if they do that, they've got to hope that they make up the goal difference on Liverpool and perform better than Liverpool. They also have to hope that they outperform Tottenham and outperform Brighton, Fulham, Brentford. So it's, it's the amount of teams more than it is the actual points that I think is, is why Chelsea won't finish in the top four. Fulham, I've been impressed with. Um, I do think they've run a little bit hot this year in, in terms of results. Um, they've, they've sort of, um, been lucky not to concede as many as they have. I think Leno's been really good. Um, and they, they do seem to take their chances. And at some point, that's, that's going to stop happening. Been a few wonder goals from Pereira and, um, Willian. So yeah, it's going to be, I think, I think I'm going to go for a score draw on this one. I reckon a one all. Um, I've yet to see anything from Chelsea to, to make me really believe in them. Um, and with Fulham, yeah, I, I think they're, they're a tough game. They, they played well against Tottenham a couple of weeks ago. Um, and just couldn't get the goal that they needed. So yeah, I think I'm going to go one all on this one. Yeah, that makes sense. And obviously, um, as, as you mentioned, it, it's one of those games where from Chelsea's perspective, it's probably a bit too early for their, for their new signing to sort of, 
make an impact, certainly from a chemistry perspective. Maybe they might make uh, an impact off the bench or something like that. But it, it's going to take a while for them to bed in everyone and, and get them all playing the way uh, Potter wants them to play. Um, Fulham, you mentioned they've been tough to beat this season. They obviously beat uh, Chelsea, I think it was the 12th of January. So they've beaten them this month already, a 2-1 win there. Um, but, you know, Chelsea being at home, they'll want to obviously avenge that loss. I, 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 I think I'm going to be in harmony with you with the 1-1 draw in this one. Um, I think they're going to be few and far between in terms of chances. Uh, I think Fulham will try and make it a midfield game and a combative midfield game because that's probably um, the weakness at the moment for Chelsea amongst <laughs> other things, I guess. But yeah, should should be an interesting game. Chelsea, I'm sure, will be hoping maybe for more impact off the bench and counting on a stronger bench than Fulham have. But I, I think Fulham have enough to, to sort of come away with uh, a draw from Stamford Bridge would be a great result for them as they continue to do well in the league. Um, but no team is doing as well as Arsenal. They will be traveling to Everton. Uh, now, the weird thing with Everton is they've, they seem to be delaying announcements of late. Um, you know, the sacking of Lampard sort of was known before they actually announced it. It seems like their new manager coming in is known and they still haven't announced the new manager yet. Are you expecting a reaction from Everton in this game against Arsenal? And I guess for Arsenal, is it just business as usual or sort of slightly annoyed that Everton didn't wait one more week before firing Frank Lampard? Yes, it's a, it's a, good, it's a slightly more difficult game to call. I think I think the new manager bounce is a little bit overrated. I don't think it often happens uh, as, as often as people think. But if there's a manager that will get one, it's Sean Dyche just... He's going to come in and just demand the start off of the, just demand that they, they work hard and leave everything out there. And that would just make them a difficult team to play against. Sometimes work rate in itself can be such a dangerous uh, thing to be against. Um, and yeah, the crowd will be behind him. It'll be a positive atmosphere at Goodison, I reckon. So yes, yeah, going to be a slightly tough game for Arsenal. Um, all that being said, I just think Arsenal are on such a tear at the moment, even last week against City in the Cup. Um, they rested a few more players than City did and, and they were probably the better team over the course of the game. They did go out, but they can take a lot of positives out of that performance. Uh, and yeah, I think they'll go to Everton and win. Um, I think Everton will, will score. I think it, I think Everton will have an uplifting performance, something that, that, that the fans and the players can really uh, grip onto. But I think it, they're just unfortunate they're playing Arsenal in that first game. Uh, if they're playing just the team slightly further down the table, they'd have a, a good chance, I think. But um yeah, I think I'm going to go for an for an Arsenal win. I'll say I'll say three one, but with the third goal sort of coming very late on, as Everton are pushing for an equaliser. Um, so yeah, I think it's three one Arsenal, but um, I think it's going to be a really good game, and I think Everton fans will, will leave feeling a lot more positive about their season. Um, and yeah, it, I, I don't know if I think they'll fail, but um, I definitely think it's the best appointment they could have made. Yeah, I, I echo that in terms of an appointment. Um, I was listening to a Sean Dyche interview, which I, I think has been doing the rounds recently, where he's talking about how he's been pigeonholed as, you know, the, the 442 old English style football type manager, whereas that, that he doesn't really see himself as that. It's more what he demands from his teams. You know, he demands effort. He demands, um, a certain level of, of heart, determination, uh, tactical awareness. And then 
based on those things and what the team has, the type of players they have, the, the tactical intelligence that they have. That's how he then formulates the, 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 the formation, so to speak, and, and how they're going to play. But in terms of the intangibles, he kind of expects the same thing from all of his teams and Everton, especially with the way that they've been built, built up in recent years. At the very least, if you're going to play for Everton, at least show some heart. And that's probably why a lot of the fans, uh, liked the team under Lampard because it seemed like there was that, um, spirit of, of never die, of always trying to fight for, for results. I, I, I've not been shy about not being a Lampard fan in terms of him as a manager. Um, him and Gerard for me, beginning of the season were the two worst managers in the league. Um, and I'm not surprised that they're now no longer managers in the Premier League. But at the very least, it seemed like the players believed in Lampard and wanted to play for him. And the fans believed in Lampard and wanted him to, they were almost willing him to get good results, but unfortunately it hasn't worked out. Well, they'll get that passion still from Sean Dyche, but I think with a bit more tactical nous, a bit more season knowledge in, in, in how to set up a team to go and be effective and, and win. And it'll be interesting to see if he can get some of that already against Arsenal. I think the, the worry for me, and I've, I've gone with a three nil Arsenal win in this one is yes, we might see the passion, etc., from the Everton players, but if they get overloaded with too much tactical information, which I'm hoping Dash won't do in this, this early on into his tenure there, but they might be so concentrated on trying to perform the tactical side of things that they won't really have time to show the passionate side of things. Um, I'm, I'm worried they're going to be overloaded. And when you're playing Arsenal in the form they're playing in at the moment, I think it's just going to be one game way too early for them. And it's going to result in a comfortable win for Arsenal. And they just continue their march to, I guess, as Arsenal fans are hoping, a, a Premier League title. But let's move on to a team that won the Premier League not so long ago in Leicester, although their fortunes have been rather dire of late. They come up against Aston Villa. Now, I know I'm harping on with the, the Lampard and Gerard hate. And look, I, 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 as I said, I don't, I, I don't shy away from it. I don't apologize from it. Uh, but Aston Villa somehow became the the unofficial official unofficial team of the podcast this year like the week after Gerard got fired i don't know if that was a coincidence or not uh but yeah so aston villa the team of the podcast for this season um looking decent under una emery he's certainly one of those managers where maybe if you want to add that whole new manager bounce tag to it seems like he's had an, an impact at Aston Villa how do they fare against the Leicester side that's kind of been yo-yoing this season yeah I've been impressed with uh, Aston Villa this year um, I think they've um, well it, as, as long as you know Emery's been there I've been impressed and I think they've been playing some um, decent football um, I think he's obviously a coach that can get them well organised you can see the difference in some of their parents have played and so, since Gerard left, um, they've got got three wins in their last uh, five games, so they're they're in good 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 form. Um, currently, just outside the top top ten, um, so that would probably be their aim for the season is to, to get into that top ten uh, and consolidate there because they their owners have got real ambitions to try and push on and and, and compete with sort of the top six and seven. Um, 
So I think considering where they were, that they'll be looking to get into that top 10 uh, and only one point behind Chelsea at the moment, uh, two, um, one point behind Liverpool. So yeah, they're really in touching distance. Um, so if you, if you talk about Chelsea and Liverpool still having a chance of getting into that sort of top six, then you'd have to say Villa have got a chance. Um, although you might have, you might worry about the consistency as they go on. But yeah, they're, they're in good form. I think Leicester really haven't been very good since the break. Um, They've they've been losing a lot of games. Uh, they're just not looking quite themselves. Um, doing getting a couple of wins in the FA Cup recently will will have boosted morale, but still yet to to really see them get back underway since since the World Cup. Um, yeah, you'd have to you have to favour Villa in this one. I think at home they're going to be quite strong under under Emery. Um, They've had a week, sort of a, a couple of weeks off without any any cup matches, so that that can only hold them in good stead. Two weeks on the training ground with Emery is definitely going to benefit a lot of those players. We should see them their structure improve. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to tip the home win, and I'm probably going to say, I think I'm going to go for a two 0 home win. I think it's going to be quite a comfortable one for Aston Villa, uh, and yeah, they're going to going to put pressure on those top ten teams and and really stake their claim for. To sort of be respected again in the Premier League, so I don't think they have been for this season, but I think they're starting to, to become a really good outfit. Yeah, and it's probably you know I'm looking at their goal difference at the moment at minus four. That's probably something they might need to start looking at um, if they do continue to rack up these wins. As you mentioned, three wins in their last five games, only one defeat. Um, it seems to be going really well for them. Whereas Leicester, they had that moment before the World Cup where they started to pick up a bit of form but then it's you know they came back from the world cup and it's just been quite disastrous in my opinion they had the spirited 2-2 draw with uh brighton last week but i I think this game is one where leicester are going to struggle especially with villa being at home they look like you know they've reinvented themselves and it's been interesting to see sort of when Bailey plays well, Everton, um, Aston Villa plays well, or is it when Aston Villa play well, Bailey plays well? But it, whichever way you want to spin that, it, it, it's been fun watching him in recent games, uh, especially in that Leeds game, I think it was two weeks ago, when him and Notto just went um, pound for, um, punch for punch and trying to outshine each other. Um, I, I think... Although Leicester looked shaky, you know, in the FA Cup, it it did have some rotation in the squad a little bit. Um, I think they've got a goal in them in this game. Villa still need to sort of iron out um, some kinks, I would think. And I I would imagine that Leicester will have to put up, they have to, they have to put up some sort of fight in this game. And I can see them getting a goal. But I think Aston Villa still see it out and go out with the win. And I'm going back to back 2-1 scorelines here, Jake, because I've got 2-1 Brentford versus Southampton. And I wanted to ask you, I don't know if it's just me uh, sort of having tinted glasses of some kind, uh, having seen Southampton's recent performances, but they are looking better, right? Like they, they seem to look a little bit more at least invested in in the new manager coming in and we obviously saw the 2-1 performance against uh Everton two weeks ago and then um the inevitable 1-0 loss to the aforementioned Aston Villa uh last weekend but to me they look like 
they're getting better. It's still that issue for me of where are the goals going to come from and whether or not they have addressed that sufficiently in this window. Um, but yeah, I've, I've gone with a 2-1 Brentford win. I think Brentford, one of those teams, we call them the gatekeepers of the Premier League this season, where they're a very well-coached team. Everyone knows their roles in that squad. And if you come up against them and you're not prepared, they're going to spank you. Yeah, they're always a tough game. Um, lower down the table, Anthony's um, fighting for fighting in the top six. They've bloodied a few noses this year. Um, and yeah, they're just, they're just such a well-run football club, club similar to Brighton. Um, you know, you're going to get a tough game. You know that the style of play is so intense. Um, and yeah, if you're not on your game, you're going to lose when you play against Brentford. Uh, so it's a huge one for Southampton. Um, I think they've been better under Nathan Jones. Um, they've got a good cup win at the weekend. Obviously, they beat City in the Carabao Cup a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, got the, the second leg of their Carabao Cup semi-final uh, tomorrow night as we record against Newcastle. So hopefully they lose that one, but um, I'm not going to jinx it at <laughs> the time, just in case. But um, yeah, they played quite well in the first leg. Um, uh, not as good as Newcastle. We were the better team, but I thought you could see signs of Southampton sort of becoming a bigger threat. Um, they just looked a little bit more confident, were a little bit more progressive than they were in the league fixture when we played them a couple of months earlier. So yeah, there's, there's definitely good signs there. Um, there is just maybe a lack of quality up front. I think that also through they signed, we, we see them do quite well in European competition, sometimes over Croatia, but he, doesn't look like he's quite good at it in the Premier League. Um, Adam Armstrong and Che Adams, neither of them look like they're going to get a regular stream of Premier League goals. Um, they'll be hoping that they sign somebody before the deadline, but we we can't predict that at this point. So, um, yeah, it's a difficult one. You have they, They've done so well in the cup competitions. You just have to hope that that will transition into the league campaign. Um, because they are, they are still bottom of the league, uh, and they can't, they really do need points sooner rather than later. Um, Brentford, I think, will want to get their points as, as quickly as possible because there's still the, the uncertainty over Ivan Tony with his, with his gambling um, offences. Uh, we've yet to know what the punishment is and we don't really know when that punishment is going to come out. It could come out before the weekend. It could come out in three months' time. We really don't know. that. We have to, there's been no definitive information about that. So um, they'll be hoping that they get to sort of 40 points way before um, Ivan Tony gets banned just in case. Um, just in case, you know, but he, he does get banned because they will be a worse team without him. Um, but I think it's going to be a really good game to watch. Um, I think there's going to be goals in it. I think Southampton are now going to approach every game sort of with confidence. We saw them um, get a couple of wins um, before the before the um, football fin- Obviously, we've got the win at Everton, so they'll have a little bit, a little bit of confidence. Um, I'm going to say. I don't want to go two two, but I think it's gonna be a really good game. Um, I just think that Brentford are gonna uh, gonna have are gonna be too good for Southampton to win, but I think Southampton will cause some problems. Uh, and yeah, I think I think a draw um, might be a good result for Southampton, and, and Brentford might see it as a positive one. So yeah, I think I'm gonna go two two draw, but I think this one's gonna be a really good really good game to watch. If it turns out two two, that would be a fantastic game to watch. And you know, it's one of those games this weekend that that you look at and you're thinking it's at three o'clock I'm not sure whether um you know whether I'm going to be able to watch it um we've seen the clamping down from the Premier League and and other sports 
um, entities with regards to um, some of these non-televised games. But Jake, I use uh, Liberty Shield. It's a VPN, virtual privacy network, that obviously allows me not to have to worry about such a headache. I get to watch all the Premier League games, whether I'm, you know, switching to Supersport in South Africa or maybe um, if it's Peacock in the US or the USA network in the US to be able to watch these three o'clock games. But guys, Please go and check out Liberty Shield. They are our presenting sponsors in association with EPL Index. You guys can check out all of their services at libertyshield.com and you can save with the coupon code EPL25. You get 25% off of your routers or the software VPN and that software VPN downloads straight onto your devices. Um, it's a virtual private network. As I mentioned, it's a technology that encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity hide your IP address and shield your online data from third parties. You can change your location. You can avoid geo blocks and government imposed restrictions to access any website. Finally, go check out our EPL index shop. You can find it on Etsy. And on there, if you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off on checkout. Uh, yeah, that, so I think that's a great score and potentially a really good game. I'm hoping that Southampton at least put up a fight going forward. I, I think that could be an exciting second half to the season if we have a lot of these teams that are currently um, in the bottom half, you know, Southampton obviously being at the bottom of the table at time of recording. If we can get them to start to put pressure on some of the teams above them, it could really get quite spicy. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a shock relegation in terms of uh, some of the teams that are hovering down there at the bottom uh, Bournemouth is one of those teams. Maybe it won't be a shock. Uh, probably one of the teams that were, um, betting favorites to go back down having come up last season, but they will be entertaining and having a very tough, or rather they'll be traveling to Brighton and having a very tough game against Brighton. I'm not sure if Moises Caicedo will be back for this game. I'd assume with the transfer window ending, um, if he does stay at, at Brighton and it, it seems like they're, they're trying to make sure that he stays at least for until the end of the season. If the window is closed, you can't really, you know, he can't really keep moping around and, and not playing. I, I would assume he'll just get back into the squad and, and start playing. And that's a huge factor. I mean, we saw them come up against Liverpool in the FA Cup this past weekend. Liverpool played virtually their strong, their strongest 11 based on the players that they have available and fit. Brighton rotated. I mentioned they didn't have the likes of Casado. I think McAllister wasn't playing either and they beat them. Like they, they're a team that's playing really well at the moment. I've got good momentum. I think the only thing that's the worry for Brighton is the stuff like the Casado thing. They had the Trossard issue earlier in January, but you know, they got rid of him. So that, that kind of solved that problem. But is that something that they need to start worrying about going into the second half of the season is some of these players starting to get their heads turned, maybe not as invested in, in the Brighton project and, and trying to push on for what looks like it could be European football for next season, which would be absolutely massive, uh, for Brighton. Yes, uh, it's a difficult one for Brighton. Um, they've got so close now to that, that glass ceiling that, that clubs get of that, of that top six. They've been sort of punching up there for, for the last couple of seasons, but the, 
I guess the, the downside for that is that your players are, uh, become attractive players for particular clubs because they know that um, they, they, they're performing to a very high standard in the Premier League. They know that they will be interested in a move from Brighton and they know that they can probably pay a lot more money in wages than Brighton. So they've just become such an easy target um, in a way that maybe a West Ham um, or a Newcastle don't because of because of historically how much more they can pay and sort of sort of stuff like that. So it's difficult. Um but the thing with Brighton you just try you just trust that they're gonna recover and just regenerate every time. Uh Basuma left in the summer to Tottenham. They already had his replacement in, in Casado. Six months later he's now being chased by all the top clubs. Um if he goes you probably expect somebody else to step up. Um I saw they signed a guy from, I think, the Swedish league today, and you just see a, a, a guy for six million to Brighton. You think, well, in two years, everybody's going to be talking about him just because <laughs> that's the, the, the reputation they have. So yeah, um, yeah, I think for this one, um, it's difficult to see anything other than a home win. Uh, Bournemouth, I'm not really convinced about them. They've made a few signings, but I don't think Gary O'Neill's the right man for them. I wouldn't be surprised if they made another managerial change in the next sort of three or four weeks. Um, yeah, I can't see him keeping them up. They just haven't looked right since they came back from the World Cup. They've not really, they haven't had any wins. They just look devoid of confidence, devoid of ideas. And I think in the Premier League now, when you're a rookie manager, you really see your tactical deficiencies when you're going up against anybody, whether that's a team that's competing in the same area or, or one of the top, top leagues, uh, one of the top teams, because every single manager in this league is just so experienced and, and got so much uh, tactical know-how that you, it's such a, great league to watch and when you don't have that we thought of Gerard and Lampard it does become clear um, the talent of your players can only take you so far as Gerard and Lampard found out and Gary O'Neill's got even less talent than they did so yeah I think we're going to have to see uh, Bournemouth upgrades in the dugout if they are to stay up so yeah this one I think it's going to be quite a, quite a routine win for Brighton don't think they'll blow them away they don't often blow teams away um, so I'll say a 2-0 win but it's going to be very comfortable I've got 2-0 here as well and maybe this is a good sign um, in in sort of bringing the the harmonious vibes here because we've reached that time on the podcast, Jake, where it is bank it or burn it. And as much as it is you dusting off, you know the 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 predictions. I also need to dust off the predictions for bank it or burn it, as I haven't hosted it in in so long now. It feels. Um, but before we get to that, we will. Go to a quick break and we will be right back with our guest for Bank It or Burn It. And we are back and we are ready for Bank It or Burn It. Jake, um, first time of Bank It or Burn It for the season. Any nerves or are you used to kind of kicking it off? Yeah, there's no nerves when you, you know, when you've got the experience that I have. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like riding a bike. Really is, really is. Um, would you call yourself the James Milner of Banker or Burnett, or is that a bit too disrespectful to you? Look, I just I let I let the press give me give me my name. So I don't I don't self self title. <laughs> you know, whatever you want to call me, you you can call me. We'll we'll find one. We'll find one. Um, but yeah, so as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, with Banker or Burnett, I've got five questions written down here. And they're going to relate to the five fixtures that we have just um, predicted um, so far on this podcast. 
it's Chelsea versus Fulham, Everton versus Arsenal, Aston Villa versus Leicester, Brentford versus Southampton, and Brighton versus Bournemouth. And for each of those respective games, Jake is going to answer five questions, of which if he thinks they're going to happen, he'll shout bank it. If he thinks they're not going to happen, he'll shout burn it. I'll run through the questions quickly so Jake can again get familiarized with them. And for you guys that are playing at home, you can sort of write them down and, and get ready to to answer and you know if you want to send them in at a tad predictable on twitter by all means do so and and let us know how you guys fare this weekend but um the questions a is possession over 55 percent to the home team b is over eight shots on target c is over 20 tackles d is headed goal and e is knee slide goal celebration now I haven't done it yet. And as I said, I've, I'm, I need to dust off, um, the cobwebs as well. But I'm, I quickly glance now. It looks like certainly in London, that is, that there is a chance of rain more on Sunday than Saturday. And I don't know if that's, oh no, I'm looking at the completely wrong, um, city. No, no rain. I'm seeing no rain predicted for either Saturday or Sunday in London. I don't know if that helps or hurts you with the knee, knee slide goal celebrations, but, I don't know that if I was playing the game that that's kind of the logic I look at is, is what's the weather like? Um, when I'm predicting that one is, is, is weather a factor for you when looking at that nice like goal celebration? I don't think it is. I think, I think it's still, we're still prime, prime, prime time of year for nice like goal celebrations. I think the pitches are going to be wet enough with or without rain. So yeah, I think, I think we're fine on that one. And, and it depends where the games are being played because some of those teams do water the pitches even at halftime as well. Um, so yeah, there, there's no excuse not to, let's put it that way in, in modern football to knee slide with how well the pitches are manicured and, and of course how they water the pitches just before kickoff and at half time. But let's see how Jake goes with our first fixture. It's Chelsea versus Fulham. Bank it or burn it. And your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Oh, bank it to end it off. And with time to spare, I believe. I almost had to I'll look to it. see if the the clock was still on there because it, 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 it... Yeah, you're a natural. You're a natural. I'm surprised with the headed goal one because Mitrovic is in this game. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think he's going to score. I oh. Think it's, not, it's, not, it's not his time. You got a one-one prediction there. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be Willian back at Stamford Bridge. Oh, does he one. celebrate? I don't think he does. Interesting. All right. Let's move on to Everton versus um, Arsenal. Uh, the game that you've predicted three-one to Arsenal. So plenty of goals in that one. But your time starts now. Possession of fifty-five percent to the home team. Burn it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Headed goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. I would imagine so if they're scoring four goals in this fixture, that at least yeah. someone, surely someone. Um, I'm looking at the likes of Martinelli, maybe Saka um, sometimes. He varies yeah, his I celebrations, doesn't he? Yeah, he's difficult to predict. Um, I'm thinking maybe, maybe a chat. Uh, a granite checker. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I think he likes a new celebration. That's a good shout. All right, let's move on to Bailey versus Leicester City. Oh, sorry, Aston Villa versus <laughs> Leicester City. Um, your time starts now. Possession over 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Burn it. Interesting stuff. Majority of burns on that one. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Brentford versus Southampton. Halfway through. We've gone halfway through. You still feeling confident? Yeah, I've been good. I think I predicted plenty of goals in this one, so I've taken that into account. Okay, fair enough. Um, your time starts now. Possession 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Bank it. Over 20 tackles. Burn it. Headed goal. Bank it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. Of course. Of course. It is interesting with your... Um, the clock is almost insulting at this point in time when it comes to you. <laughs> but I'm sure there'll be other guests where the clock is um, a factor, but but certainly not for, for the experienced Jake Jackman here. Um, I've noticed with your shots on target, you're quite bullish with those. What's that? Three of the four games you say are going to have more than eight shots on target? Yeah, well, I just like to predict entertainment. That's what I want. <laughs> I, I want, you know, I want to will it into existence. I want I want the people to see saves and goals. So really, I'm just the people please at the end of the day. Fair the enough, fair enough. The people's champion. The people's champion. Exactly. All right, let's end it off with Brighton versus Bournemouth before we head off to the rest of the fixtures of the weekend. Your time starts now. Possession of 55% to the home team. Bank it. Over eight shots on target. Burn it. Over 20 tackles. Bank it. Headed goal. Burn it. Knee slide goal celebration. Bank it. To end off the the show with that one, well, the Bank It or Burn It segment of the show, should I rather say. Um, I think well played. That was a good round. I, I, I'm rooting for you, certainly with um, the amount of times you've chosen for there to be knee-slide goal celebrations. I think, what, that's only one game, the Aston Villa game, where you haven't chosen a knee-slide goal celebration. So hopefully that means plenty of goals, plenty of celebrations, and we will see how you fare for that one. As I said, the trophy is what they're playing for as well as the bragging rights. But let's move on to a team that's hoping to sort of bring back bragging rights and to bring back trophies in Man United. They're still in all comp- cup competitions, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the league, as we all know, is bread and butter for, for Man United. It's the one that they sort of need to win again after such a long time and not winning it, relatively speaking, for Man United, that is. Are they still in the title race for you, first and foremost? And then how do you see them faring against the Crystal Palace side, who I'm always kind of impressed by Crystal Palace's play, but it doesn't always result in them getting wins or, I suppose, draws from losing situations. But it's only one win in their last five games. And for the first time in a long time, I think that's kind of justified looking at some of those games. I thought... You know, yeah, they they didn't play well against Tottenham. Uh, the Man United game, Man United could have run away with that one. Um, the Newcastle game, I thought Newcastle 
had more than enough chances to go and win that game. And and then that win that they got came against a Bournemouth side who we've seen haven't been playing well of late. So I've been kind of disappointed by Crystal Palace. I, I don't know if that's harsh to say, but looking at the form of the two teams, I, I can't see anything other than a 2-1 Man United win here. As I mentioned, they played each other 1-1 draw at Salas Park a couple of weeks back. But how how do you see this one going? And do you see Man United continuing this charge up the table to try, hopefully try and challenge um, the likes of Arsenal and Man City? I'm, I'm not forgetting Newcastle in that, of course. Um, yeah, I think it's too much to expect them to be in the title race. If Arsenal weren't in the league, then you'd probably say they would be. But yeah, Arsenal are just too far clear. I think the only team that can catch them is Manchester City. Um, especially if Arsenal haven't played a game more than, than the three teams below them. Um, uh, a game less even, so... Even if Man United, you know, win here, if Arsenal win and then win their game of hand, the, the gap goes to 14 points. I think that's too many uh, at this point of the season. Um, so I think Man- Manchester United's focus is probably to try and get as high. They'll, they'll be thinking about the title, but realistically, they'll be hoping to really consolidate themselves in, in that top four and get into third, maybe second. And, and yeah, see that as a good year. Um, they have been very good recently, but my concern with Man United at the moment, I just don't seem to have that many goals from their team it all seems to be sort of 1-0 2-0 2-1 they don't seem to be blowing teams away enough because I just don't think they have the goals in that team they've got Rashford who's, who's, who's on flames at the moment but the moment he stops scoring who else is going to score the goals Bruno Fernandes doesn't score as many as he did Anthony doesn't look like he's going to score many um, Veghorst he's, a, he, he's looked okay since he's come in he's definitely added something uh, sort of a target man for those attacking players to play off but he's not going to score loads Martial he hasn't scored he hasn't been prolific for, for two three years now I just don't think they have loads of goals in that team um, and, it, and if Rashford does hit a streak where he goes two or three without a goal are they going to have the goals to, to blow teams away I think they're lucky in that the fixtures at home I think home fixtures against teams in the, in the bottom half of the table seem to be matched as Brennan Barr and have been under so, so many managers. Um, so I expect them to win. I don't think it's going to be by many. I think Palace have shown in the last couple of games that they can defend quite well. They defended quite well against Manchester United. They defended quite well against Newcastle. Perhaps fortunate not to, fortunate to get points for both of those games, but I think Vieira will, has seen the fixture list come up. They've got a really tough run of fixtures. I think he's just want them to be solid and hope that they've got enough to, to get someone on the break. Zaha obviously is a miss. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be a tight match United when it might even be 1-0. I don't want to take 1-0. I just don't see there being that many goals in this Manchester United attack going forward. Um, and I think they've got a really busy, busy period, uh, in February. I think they play some, they could play up to like six or seven games, including the Carabao Cup final. They've got two games against Barcelona. They've got a game in midweek that we're going to talk about later. It's got so many games that I think fatigue's going to play a part, but I think they're going to start the month well with a win. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're going to see as the month progresses that that, that attack is really going to struggle with itself to fatigue. So I just don't think they've got the options there. Interesting stuff. Yeah, um, conservative one 0 there. But as you said, it's one to watch out for Man United going forward in terms of whether or not they can keep the goals up and and keep winning the games at at a rate that they're winning at the moment. Um, let's move on to Wolves versus Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool have been absolutely disappointing to say the least this season I don't think it's surprising 
Um, I, I, I found it weird, the, the narrative that's been created that this is sort of a, a surprise with the way Liverpool have played this season. One, because of the injuries that they have suffered, but two, because they've not addressed their midfield for years now. And, you know, it's sort of come crashing down like a, like, like a house of cards, in my opinion. Um, but, if they had maybe the likes of Jota and Diaz, it might paper over the cracks, but I still think they would have been having um, the type of issues that they've been having this season where their midfield just doesn't have the legs to keep up with most of the, the teams in the Premier League. Um, have you been surprised by Liverpool? And then equally, have you been surprised by Wolves who haven't really had the greatest um, season this season, especially being one of those teams that usually would get predicted to sort of cause problems for some of the bigger teams in the league and try and challenge to get into that, you know, top seven, eight um, teams in the league. I mean, the 3-0 loss to Man City last time out, It's you're playing an angry Man City, so you kind of expect that. Um, but they had that spirited 1-0 win against West Ham and, and the 1-1 draw before that. Are things starting to turn around for them under Lopetegui? Yeah, I've not seen a great deal of, of them um, under Lopetegui, uh, other than highlights. The game I did see was against Liverpool in the Cup. Um, and Liverpool won that day. And, and I saw a lot of Liverpool fans sort of uh, on the internet sort of saying that that was a, could have been a real turning point for them, that, that it was a really good performance, something to build on. And I watched that game for Neutral and I didn't think Liverpool played well at all. I thought it was exactly the same as what we've been seeing. Uh, I thought Wolves were unlucky to lose. So, yeah, I... I don't know, I guess maybe Liverpool fans are sort of clinging and hoping that that was a turning point, but it really wasn't. It was just one that it, it was quite fortunate on the day, I thought. Um, and that Liverpool obviously lost to Brighton at the weekend. There were some positive signs in attack with Salah getting a few more shots um, and, and getting into attacking positions more often. But I think it was more about Brighton being as open as they were than it was Liverpool sort of creating those chances. Um, I think Brighton wanted an open game and in the end it showed why because they got the win. So yeah, still massive problems with Liverpool. Um, it's it's just strange how how quickly it's dropped off. Um, I'm sure you'll have a, a better analysis of why that is. It just seems like the midfield options aren't there. The players just seem tired. Uh, obviously, last year going for all the all being in all competitions for so long, it's obviously just taking such a physical mental toll uh, and not regenerating that squad in the way that they should have done. Uh, with Klopp being perhaps too loyal to some players, it is a bit of an issue. Um, so yeah, based on that game in the, in the FA Cup, I think I'm going to tip Wolves to win here. I think Wolves were the better team on that day. They were unlucky not to win. And if it's more of the same, and I've not seen anything from Liverpool to suggest that they're not going to keep serving up this performance that they keep serving up, um, I just think Wolves are going to win. Uh, I think they're going to have enough. Uh, and it, yeah, if, if the game goes the same way, last time Wolves had the better chances and lost. If that goes the same way again and Wolves have the better chances, the, the percentages say they'll probably win. So, yeah, I'm going to go for that. I think I'm going to go 2-1 to Wolves. Uh, and, yeah, just more misery for, for Klopp and Liverpool. Yeah, I think there's an ele- element of arrogance and, and denial with Liverpool at the moment. Um, the arrogance that, oh, it's going to fix itself. Like, it, you know, we're, we're going to turn this around without any evidence to show that that's going to happen. Um, and I've seen a lot of uh, Liverpool fans compare the situation to, I think it was... 2021 season when Liverpool had that uh, centre-back crisis and they're saying look how Liverpool turned that around but Liverpool were top four 
um, at, you know, by Christmas at, you know, in that season when they did have those injuries. So it's a lot different to where they are now, uh, just about being in the top half of the, the league at the moment. I, I'm with you in, I, I didn't see a sort of turnaround performance against Wolves in, in the cup last time out. Um, I think the same issues are still there for Liverpool. And I think the only hope Liverpool have at the moment and in winning these games is getting Darwin Nunes, uh, fit again and hoping that he's more clinical than he has been most of the season. Um, because he does create a lot of chaos. He does, um, help the side create a lot of chances and whether or not he's finishing those it sort of seems like he's going to get a spell at some point this season where he's scoring two, you know, one or two goals a game for, you know, four or five games in a row. And when that happens, whether it happens now or, you know, a bit later on, it seems like it could happen. But other than that, I'm not seeing a spark in Liverpool. I'm also not seeing, um, I don't want to say that the players don't care, but the players don't have the, intensity of um of we need to win every game um i've not seen that yet whether they still think they they've got enough to go and make top four and and it needs them to really be on the edge in their minds to be on the edge of not making it that they that that will then create the spark for them to 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 increase the intensity but from where i'm sitting and it's a similar situation to what you said with chelsea where there's just so many teams in front of you that even if you do well, you have to hope that way too many teams sort of just collapse the season. And based on the evidence of all the teams around them, you're the one that's collapsed. The chances of you guys being the one that turned around and everyone else collapses seems unlikely to me. Personally, um, I think it's probably best for Liverpool to not be in Europe next season at all. Um, to, to allow them to sort of reset and have that, you know, more time between games because of the reset and, and the amount of changes that they're going to need, I think will benefit them. My only worry is, and, and I've mentioned it before, I think on EPR roundtable, um, with Kev DeVries, uh, cheap like there is if Liverpool don't make Champions League, one, they're probably not going to sign the players that they do need to fix this. And two, I can see them having to sell either a Salah or a, a Van Dyke to justify a, a big rebuild. So it's a bit of a conundrum that they're in. In terms of this game, um, I do think Liverpool win this 2-1. As I said, I'm leaning more on the Darwin Nunes is back in the starting lineup and sparks some sort of chaos in this game. I don't think it will be a pretty win. I don't think it means Liverpool will be back as people keep preemptively trying to say after every time they win a game, um, bearing in mind they've only won eight of their 19 in the league this season. But I do think it's one of those where it's going to favor Darwin. He's going to cause some problems and he's going to be in the score sheet. Maybe Mo Salah gets on the score sheet again as he tends to do when in a Liverpool shirt. But let's move on to more exciting teams. Well, certainly one more exciting team in Newcastle. Um, your team, of course, they're entertaining West Ham. West Ham, who at time of recording were playing their FA Cup game. Um, I'm not sure if they ended up winning that game, but, um, they were leading, certainly. They were leading 2-0 and they have won 2-0 against Derby County. Another team where one win to me doesn't equate, uh, we're back 
or anything like that. Certainly not if you're playing a team um, in League One at the moment and with the financial issues Derby have. But Jake, Newcastle have, in inverted commas, stumbled a little bit recently. But I mean, if you're in third place still after this stumble, I, I don't see how it's much of a crisis as, as some of the people are trying to make out. Maybe teams are trying to be a lit, little bit more structured and, and tougher to break down against Newcastle. But um, a signing like Anthony Gordon, maybe not the number one choice for everyone, but that sort of injection of, 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 of pace might be something that could be key. We know St. Maximin coming off the bench has been getting more and more involved. Again, that's something that you can bring into games that could unlock some of these maybe more uh, resolute defences that you're coming up against in recent games? Yeah, I don't really think it's been that much of a stumble, to be honest. I think the the leads and the the and the leads and the um, Crystal Palace game, maybe the Crystal Palace games. Yeah, yeah they they were they were, you know it was annoying to draw them, but in both games we had the chances to win. It's sort of like we were we were effect we were outplayed in either game we just didn't take our chances um and then around that we've been winning in the carabao cup um obviously beat southampton last week hopefully we'll beat them tomorrow night by the way jinx that um so yeah we've so, uh, played well in those games against arsenal that's part of this sort of stumble you wouldn't really say drawing they'll know away at arsenal is a bad result is it is a good result for us we're the only team to come away from the emirates with anything this season so that's got to be seen as a positive result and this run of games that we've just not been conceding goals. Nick Pope is now has not conceded since November. We're, we're going to be in February. So it, it's a crazy start that we, we've got going on. Um, I think it might be to Newcastle's benefit to concede a goal because I think maybe that run is becoming a, a bit of a burden. Um, maybe focusing on keeping the clean sheets more than we are creating uh, scoring goals. But that said, we are still creating a lot of chances. We've just not been taking them. Um I think at home we'll, I think we'll win this weekend against West Ham. I think West Ham are sort of in that, in that weird zone with Moyes where he's been picking up a couple of results, but that the overwhelming opinion is that he needs to go for West Ham to push on. So they're just in a holding pattern at the moment, whereas Newcastle have just got so much momentum, especially at home. We've um, got brought a new signing in, in Gordon, who Eddie Howe obviously rates very highly. So, Hopefully that he'll bring something to the team. Don't think he'll start this one, but I think he, he he'll probably play some part. We've got St. Max the man and they, Isaac coming off the bench regularly, and Isaac with, with some great play in the, last week against Southampton in the cup. They self picked up the ball in the right wing, sprinted away from a defender, left him in his dust, and, and and created the goal. So he just looks like he's really getting up to speed now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start this one, but Callum Wilson's got such a good record against West Ham. He scored more goals against West Ham than any other opponent. And I'm sure he'll be reminding Eddie Howe of that during the week in the build-up to this. Um, obviously, him and Mikel Antonio do a podcast together, so there's that extra little angle there. Um, we're both likely to start. So, yeah, it'll be a good game, I think. Um, but I just think that Newcastle are in such a good place at the moment. Uh, and if we do get to the cup final, then it's just going to be an even better atmosphere, I think. Um, whereas West Ham, They've had a couple of wins recently, but even as Derby, I think Derby had as many shots as they did. They weren't the sort of the dominant Premier League team that you'd expect there. I don't think they're going to have enough for Newcastle. I think that Newcastle are just a well-oiled machine at the moment. Uh, I think you have to be a good team to, to come up against Newcastle and 
create chances. It, it, it's hard enough to even get shot on goal against the Slater 9 score. So I think that this weekend, as it's at home, I think we'll win. Um, I think I'm going to go 2-1. I'm going to give West Ham a goal. I think that, that run of clean sheets is going to come to an end. But I think we are going to to get a couple. We'll get the three points. We'll get back to winning ways in the league. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. 2-1 to Newcastle for you. Um yeah, my worry for West Ham in this one is when they've come up against the, the better coach teams in the league, they've leaked a lot of goals. Um, I'm looking at that 3-1 to Arsenal, the 2-0 to, to Brentford, which was obviously at home as well. Um, I'm going to go 3-0 to Newcastle. I think this is one of those games that will be a feel good game. Um, as you said, not wanting to jinx them. Um, for your sake in in the league cup but they they fared pretty well in the first leg and if that continues if that performance is the same in in the second leg then it will be quite a joyous stadium at St James's Park and I think the players will want to put on a performance uh for the fans and I think West Ham are just not playing well at the moment yes they beat derby but they could have easily easily have um been caused a lot more problems in that game if if Derby were a bit more clinical with some of the situations that they arrived in. So yeah, I, I think a three nil comfortable win for Newcastle. And I guess if Man United are in the title race, then you have to put Newcastle in the title race too. Uh, I, I don't see the logic in in putting one in and not the other at this stage of the season. More so with Newcastle's goal difference versus Man United's. I, I think it's a no brainer if. If people are trying to shoehorn Man United in there, then by default you've you've added Newcastle into that race. But let's move on to two teams that are focused more on staying in the league than anything else, I think, for this season. It's Nottingham Forest versus Leeds United. Now, based on Nottingham Forest's form in recent weeks, I think this could be an interesting game because Leeds, I think, have played well in games of late they just haven't had that firepower up front. And I suppose one of the benefits of having an FA Cup game um, where it's a, a weekend game, you've had a week to prepare, you've got a week to prepare for your next Premier League game, is Leeds could play quite a strong team in there in, in that game and get some of their players to get goals. And, and, and they certainly did that in the FA Cup. They will be hoping that that fixed some of their, their gun-shy um situations in games of late but coming up against a revived Nottingham Frost it seems could this be low-key a, a sneaky game of the weekend yes yeah, it's, a, it's a, I, I always quite enjoy watching Forest and Leeds really um, with Forest they're obviously going to make a few more signings before, um, after we record this so you know, they just they seem to be signing somebody every every day. It's it's, get, it's a little bit ridiculous, but eventually they're going to settle on a team and, and a squad that they're happy with. So yeah, it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I think Forest have been better recently. They seem to be they've sort of climbed away from that bottom three. Um, so yeah, they'll they'll be hoping to to get a win at home against Leeds. Leeds Leeds seem to be a weird weird one. Cause I, I'm always quite impressed watching them. They've got some really exciting players. Um, but the fans really don't seem that taken with Jesse Marsh. It just seems like any poor result, he just gets hammered and it just doesn't feel like it's, it's a conducive atmosphere for him to succeed. Uh, sort of similar to Moyes, I feel like he's going to have to go for Leeds to push on just because I just don't think the fans like him. They, I don't think they've got the faith in him that they perhaps should based on the, their performances. 
So they're very unlucky to be as low as they are in the league table. I think they, they should be a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go for a one-all draw just because I really can't call this game. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a good watch. Certainly will be a good watch. Um, I've gone for a 2-2 draw. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this game. And as I said, uh, I think it could be sneaky game of the weekend, but certainly one that is probably the favorite for game of the weekend. It's Tottenham versus Man City. Um, Tottenham doing some business in the window late on, and, and I'm sure they'll do more, um, after we finish recording this podcast, but they certainly seem to be addressing some of the things that they wanted to address in, uh, in this transfer window. Coming up against Man City, who probably made a massive, um, well, it's a, it's a massive move away from Man City in Cancelo. He's going to Barcelona on loan and I mean to Bayern Munich on loan with an option to buy. Is that a statement from Pep? I know in recent games he's mentioned he hasn't been happy with the way things have been going. Um, it, it seems sort of like gamesmanship. Um, him sort of, you know, saying to the players, this isn't really the standards that we're used to. This isn't how we should play. And then him backing that up by getting rid of one of the players that hasn't necessarily been featuring this season as much as we would have expected, especially, you know, for fantasy players, um, with how well Cancelo has done in the past in fantasy. Is, is this a statement from Pep to say, you know, if Cancelo is not safe, none of you are safe. Um, you better get your act together and, and get us back into a position we're more familiar with in, in first place. Or you might not be at the club next season. And then on the other side of things, Spurs, they've not been great this season, but they're still, you know, within a hair's throw away from top four. And they've made some signings this window and, and, and looking to make, a, uh, you know, one or two more. Could this help Spurs propel themselves going forward? I know their fixture list gets quite favorable after this Man City game. And that's probably going to be, you know, the deciding factor for how well Spurs do at the end of the season is how well they do in this period after the Man City game. But knowing that the fixture list gets friendly, is this sort of a free hit for Spurs then? Um, it's a weird one with both of these teams. I've just not been impressed with Tottenham at all this season. Um, sort of similar to Liverpool, you just get the same performance from them every week and they're just beatable every week. But the difference between them and Liverpool is that Liverpool, uh, Liverpool don't have Harry Kane up front and Harry Kane just seems to, to want to propel Tottenham to, to the top four on his own. Um, he's just in such good form. And if Haaland wasn't in the league, he'd be getting so many more plaudits for, for the way he's scoring goals. He, he's been great. Um, with Man City, it's weird the way Cancelo's gone. It just feels, just feels like the type of thing that happens when it when when it's going to get even worse. It just it feels like the type of thing that that you read about months later, saying that was a turning point where the players sort of stopped believing and and sort of got tired of Pep. I think it must happen. Um, Pep's so intense that over time, you just you just, you just grow tired of, of of that constant man management. So yeah, it's a really difficult game to call. I'm really not hot on either of these teams, two teams at the moment. Um, so I think I'm going to go with the history books and say 1-0 Tottenham because they always seem to beat Man City at home uh, 1-0. So I think I'm just going to go for a repeat of that. 
Um, they've been in worse positions, they've been in better positions, but they always seem to beat Man City at home 1 0. So, yeah, I'm going to gonna trust the history book and go with that. Certainly. And, and I guess that would probably be Kane's goal that uh, breaks the record as well. Yeah, very good. Good well be. Interesting stuff. Yeah, for me, um, I've gone with a 1 1 draw. Um, it will be interesting to see if Spurs continue that form of just deciding not to pitch up in first halves. But again, another team who will be hoping the performance midweek, um, the performance on the weekend in the FA Cup gets transferred to the Premier League. They looked a little bit better in that one. Obviously didn't have the firepower of Kane, but Son started scoring again. Danjuma gets a goal on his debut. Conte will be focusing on the positives of that and maybe, you know, not necessarily focusing too much on who they played, but rather how they played and and trying to instill a bit more confidence in them heading into this game against Man City. But yeah, as you mentioned, neither team have been playing to the levels that we've expected from this season. And I think this is a game that Arsenal fans are going to enjoy because no matter what the result is, I I think it benefits them. If, If Tottenham lose... You know, it, it, it's something they can just dump on Tottenham again. If Man City lose, it's another thing they can dunk on Man City on and, and it helps them with their Premier League push. And then if it's a draw, I think it, it benefits them equally. Um, and obviously another team that's going to be looking at this game, a team that we've mentioned earlier in Man United, they have then their last fixture of the week, um, having a double header against Leeds United. Now, my worry for Leeds in this game is whether or not they have the legs to play this game. And obviously they will be, would have played the Nottingham Frost game, which is almost a must win game for them considering where both teams are on the table. Do you, is that something that factors into your prediction for this game? Because I, I've gone with Man United win here, which makes Man United winning both of their fixtures this weekend, but I've, I've gone for a, I was going to go for a 2-0 Man United win, but considering Leeds' performance on the weekend, I know it's the FA Cup, but they looked a, a bit better going forward. I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 to Man United, although I was leaning 2-0 to Man United. And it's purely because I don't know if Leeds have the squad to handle the Nottingham Forest game with the importance of that and the energy levels that are going to be required in that game and then have to travel to Old Trafford and, and pull off a result. Yes, it's uh, difficult to predict without knowing the weekend results. But I think I'm, I'm going to go for the one all on this one. Oh. Because I think Manchester United have been playing a lot of games. They seem to be playing two games a week every week. And that, and that's going to keep happening throughout February. I think it's going to, going to take its toll on this one. I've, I've spoken about how I think they lack goals. Um, and I think Leeds are going to get a goal. So I, it's either, I think it'll either be one all or two on Manchester United, but I think I'm going to go for the one all. Uh, I think Leeds intensity is going to, going to cause a lot of problems for Manchester United. Something we didn't mention earlier was that Ericsson's injury. We don't know how that's quite going to play, play out yet. Cause he, he's obviously being quite important from deeper areas. They don't really have a life for life replacement unless they drop Fernandez deep, which is probably, they're, they're very unlikely to do. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to go for the one all when I'm going to lead to get something. Uh, I think we're just going to see this from Manchester United for the rest of the season. I think they're going to win a lot of games. They're going to beat a couple of the, win in a few more of those sort of top six fixtures. But I think we're going to see them drop three points like they did to Palace just because they don't have the goals in their team. Uh, and I think I'm going to call that one for this one. 
for this game. So yeah, I'm going to tip the one. One all draw there, and and I think an interesting thing as well in terms you, you mentioned that um, you know United might pick up the points more so in in the top six or maybe traditional top six and in top seven type teams. One thing I'm going to look out for this game is you'd assume Man United would have quite a bit of the ball in this one. Similarly, in the Crystal Palace game, whereas I think this Man United team is built quite well for the counter-attack, these are games when they're at home, games they're expected to win, they might have a lot more of the ball than maybe they they might like to have, and whether or not that does affect um, their build-up play and their, their patterns of play from an attacking standpoint will be interesting to see. But Jake, that is going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote before we wrap up? Um, nothing in particular. You can get all my stuff on my Twitter page at Jake Jackman with two ends where I'm often tweeting and posting any articles or podcasts I'm involved with. So yeah, go, go and give me a follow over there. And I'm sure there's a one-hour Anthony Gordon Love Fest podcast coming from you. I know you're a massive fan of his. Um, yeah, maybe we'll hold off on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, from my end, um, go and check out all the content on EPL Index website. Uh, there are writers like Jake Jackman that have really awesome content on there. Their match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, and I suppose with the transfer window just having come to an end at the time that you guys are listening to this, or close to coming to an end, um, there will probably be transfer news on the website as well. You can maybe check up on, you know, a, a review of what has happened in this transfer window, I'd imagine. Of course, there's the daily uh, podcast show. It's a two-footer podcast with Dave Hendrick. Finally, also check out the flagship show. It runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the EPL. Jake Jackman is one of the panelists that goes on there and sometimes hosts it, Jake. Yeah, occasionally, occasionally I do. So yeah, I'm I'm often on there in, in host form or guest form. Host form or guest form. Um, yeah, sometimes I come on there a bit more sparing than Jake does. I'm on, I think, the Brock Lesnar schedule on that one. Um, guys, also go and follow EPL Index um, on Twitter. It's at EPL Index. Go follow at a tad predictable on Twitter. Go and subscribe to EPL Index on your podcast channel and your podcast providers. Give us five stars, write positive comments. That stuff really, really goes a long way. I've been Tadio Chenakira. You can find me on my Twitter handle at Tad Predicts. A huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McKinnis. She's at Spursy one for one for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. I don't know if he's eligible for Banker or Burnett this year. He's been trying to prize that trophy away and, and, and he usually fails quite miserably in his Bank Robbeni predictions. So I, I think he might get banned. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll figure it out. But he's been Jake Jackman at Jake Jackman with two N's on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still the beauty. Oh, what a strike. Sports Social Podcast Network.